My eyes were opened to the evil I had been turning to. I knew I had been turning towards the devil in that moment because before that I always thought it was full of love and God and spirit guides and angels and I was fooled no more and I turned away from the mirror and I just started screaming I would looked up to heaven to God and I was just started screaming saying no no I love God I love God and while I was screaming that in my ears my voice sounded demonic and I just ran out of my room and I was screaming. It woke my kids up. And this is, you know, at three at three o'clock in the morning. So I'm telling now I think I'm possessed by the devil or a demon. You know, I think I'm possessed. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Hello, Altered Stories listeners. This is your chief storyteller host, Michelle Saunders Gutch. And welcome to episode 93 Susan's From Psychic to Christian God Story. Thank you for listening to my show that shares Christian women's God stories around the world and is part of the Spark media network, and can be heard on the Edify app, one of the world's most powerful Christian apps. And friends, I hope all is well and you are enjoying this November month of thankfulness. And I know that I am, and I am so thankful for God's goodness and many blessings and for all of you. Also, I'm thankful for those of you who listen to my show and support Altered Stories Ministry through your prayers and giving. And friends, as Giving Tuesday is November 29th, I invite you to check out our Giving Tuesday happenings on our Altered Stories Ministry November event that we have out there. It's a Giving Tuesday event. So friends, I would love for your support and do share uh, anything that you feel led to share, including this episode and the show. So friends, now let's get this show started. I'm excited to bring to the mic a very special guest, Susan McKeltry. And Susan was born in New Jersey, but raised in Florida from the age of five. She is a licensed cosmetologist, Bible study leader, speaker, writer, author, wife, and grandma. You're a mom, too. That's correct. Right, Susan? Yes, I am. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes you never know where the grandma title can come in at. So 
Just making sure. Okay. So welcome to the show, Susan. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Is there anything, Susan, that you'd like to share about yourself on a personal note that I haven't? Because you and I have, you know, had some discussions and you have a great bio write-up, but you know, I would love for you to share anything else that you'd like to share about you. So I am a mother of three children, <laughs> three uh, adult children. And we just found out recently. So I do have two grandchildren that were born last year. And we just found out that my son and his wife are expecting their second child. So that's exciting. That'll be next year. Congrats. And that's I, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I also um, help my husband with our window and door company. And that's that takes up most of my time. It's basically 25 to 30 hours a week. I, I work in, in the office of that company. So that's something else I do as well. Well, it sounds like you have a very busy and a very fulfilled life. So thank you for taking the time. And uh, weather-wise, how is Florida these days? Yesterday was very unusual. At 12 o'clock in the afternoon, it was 55 degrees and cloudy and rainy all day. And that's very unusual for Florida. Uh, usually we'll get a cool morning and it'll warm up, you know, to the 70s during the day. Um, but today it warmed up. So that was nice. Well, we've had really cold weather here in the Midwest in the Kansas area near Kansas City where I live. And I'll tell you what, uh, today it felt like a heat wave because it was 50 degrees. So <laughs> not that we base our life around the weather, but I mean, it does make a difference in our travel plans and other things too. So it's always part of, I think, good conversation. Um, how are things going in your state with the cleanup of that horrible hurricane? It's going really slow from what I hear down south. Um, I'm more in central Florida. So we the storm was pretty uh, intense here in central uh, Florida, but not nearly as bad as what the coast received. And it's just a very slow process. We have friends who have, um, you know, like vacation homes down there and, and they really got hit pretty rough. So it's just, a, you know, without the electric and... You know, it's just a, it's a slow rebuild for them. Yeah, I just don't think people understand that until they've come through it. You know what I mean? But I'm just glad to know that it didn't affect you and your business and all of that. You know, so um, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, Susan, there's so many questions I would love to ask you. You know, just I'm a person that loves to interview people, talk with people like to, I'm very into, you know, understanding who people are and all of that. But we're going to give you the mic in this episode to talk through your God's story tonight. But what I wanted to find out from you is why you think it's so important for women to share their God's stories. What what about that is so important? I think one thing is it brings a connection and where you you don't feel nobody else has gone through this. No one understands. And I think when we share our stories, um, especially when we're very transparent 
they just feel connected and like some, wow, somebody understands and feels the same way I did. And they went through the same things that I did. And so that's one reason. And then of course, the other reason is to um, share the gospel, you know, and to spread God's word as far reaching as we can. And that's very important to me. And also, so people to try to help them to see things I couldn't see that they may be able to see those things and not go in the direction that I did. So if I can help someone in that way to see those things, that would be such a blessing as well. Well, thank you. As you and I have spoke, it's a really great honor to represent your story. And we're hoping that many will listen that need to hear it. And it will really transform lives, as I'm sure what you're going to share with us um, is all about, which is the transformation that took place in your God story from psychic to Christian. Um, So this leads me to the big question that I always tend to open up my show with, and this is around the God story. and. Susan, can you share with my listeners where your From Psychic to Christian God story began? I had a grandfather and he he passed away when I was a year old, so I never really got to know him. But the stories about him uh, were shared among our family as I grew up. And one of the things that, that was shared was that they felt he had some kind of what they called it was a power of knowing. So he professed to be a Christian. He was a Roman Catholic, but then he also had this other kind of power going on. And I know he also uh, dabbled in uh, tarot cards a lot. So as I was growing up, my family would share all these stories about him and they were always so intriguing to me as a child and we, anytime we got together with the family, because we were out of state. So if we got together, we always, you know, wanted to hear them tell those stories again. So that kind of like planted the little seed of this curiosity and this fa- fascination with the supernatural world. Um, but as I, you know, became an adult that, you know, kind of went to the back burner of my life and I didn't really focus on it as much. Ex- but in the year, um, 2000, we had some uh, major family things going on in our family. And I started having these dreams and they were life-changing dreams. And I I wanted answers. I needed answers. And those dreams uh, brought me to church. When I started going to church, I met per, you know privately with our pastor and told him about my dreams. And, you know, I was hoping to get these answers, you know, that... Um, that I was searching for, but I didn't receive the answers that I really wanted to hear. So I searched elsewhere to try to find the answers that I wanted. So I started turning to the psychic world and I started purchasing books by psychics that wrote these books about telling us what it's like on the other side and, you know, really started dabbling in that world, but not really understanding that what I was doing was wrong because Um, even though I was attending church and professed to be a Christian, I didn't study or read the Bible. So if I didn't understand God's word or what he said, 
you know, I was just an open, easy target uh, for the devil. So I even started going to I um, when the psychics come and they do personal appearances and with the crowd and they do, you know, on the spot readings for people. I started doing that. So for about 10 years after that, the that whole occult world was part of my life, but kind of just to the side a little bit. Like I wasn't really involved um, as far as like wanting to be a psychic or anything, but I did have thoughts and wonderings that if I inherited my grandfather's uh, supernatural ability, well, in um, the year uh, November of 2007, uh, my husband and I, we had this window and door company and we catered to uh, like 99% new construction homes. Well, in November of 2007, my husband walked in my office and he said, I don't know what's going on. He says, but new construction has come to a complete halt. So from that point on, we had to start cutting back in the business and we just, we couldn't maintain it. So in the summer of 2009, we ended up closing down the company. Because of that, we lost everything because both of us were working full time in the company. So we lost our both incomes overnight. We had to sell our house in a short sale. Our house sold in two weeks. Um, and uh, we had this little vacation home up in the foothills of Tennessee. It was a thousand square foot mobile home. And my husband had remodeled the interior to look like a cabin. So as we're you know steadily losing everything, our cars, our boat, you know, everything that we had, uh, we decided to uh, make this move up to that house in Tennessee because um, it was paid for and it was something that was ours that we didn't think could be taken away from us. So we took our kids and, you know, they were not happy. Of course, you know, we took them away from their their home and moved up to Tennessee. So we lived there for about a year and a half and uh, we decided in 2011 to come back home. So when we came back to Florida, I had all this time on my hands. My husband decided to start another window and door company, but this time focused on existing homes. So we were just changing out windows and doors for existing homes. Well, it was a very small business and I was doing all the books and you know the office work and it, it was just very limited. So I had a ton of extra time on my hands. So here came the big question, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Well, thoughts of the psychic world started coming through my mind. And I'm like, well, you know, I wonder if I have that, that power of my grandfather's. And, you know, because um, if, I, if I do, you know, I could do psychic readings and I can earn a living that way. Well, I started looking into it and uh, I had three people in the psychic world all tell me that I was a healer and I didn't really understand what that meant. But the third person who told me this said it was like a, a metaphysical healer and she said it was going to be huge. So I slowly getting, I started, you know, slowly getting um, drawn into this world and I bought, um, I found out this other psychic, she wrote books on how to develop your psychic ability. So I bought these books and I sat on my bed and I did the instructions on what she said to do. And so you were supposed to put your hands together facing each other like you were holding a ball. And she says, and if you have the power, you're going to be able to feel 
like there's a ball in your hand. It's going to feel like you have this ball of energy in your hand. So I did everything she said, and I'll be darned if I didn't feel that energy of the ball. And the minute I felt that, it was boom. That was it. I bit the bait. I was in. There was no turning back now. I knew I had my grandfather's power and, you know, I was special and, you know, I thought it was going to be great. So this third woman that told me that I was a healer, she offered these one-on-one classes to develop your psychic ability. So I started doing that with her and, you know, she would give me readings as she's trying to train me and grow my psychic ability. And, um, you know, there's some truth thrown in there with what she tells you. And, and that's just enough. That's all you need to hear is a couple of words of truth. And you're just, you know, just sucked right in. And I believed everything she said that she got from the spiritual world, because she'd already expressed, you know, some true things that were going on in my life. So I was really following her direction. And, uh, she had she told me, you know, you have the psychic ability, go ahead and start doing readings. So I did that. And yeah, for sure, I was giving readings and uh, hearing from the dead and getting messages, uh, you know, for people. And soon she started guiding me down the road of doing energy healings. So I was doing these energy healings and also getting uh, messages for the people that I was doing these energy healings on. And it got to the point, um, this went on for about two years and close to the, the ending of the two years, the voice that was giving me these messages for people suddenly was like there all the time. Like I didn't have to go through that special connection to surround yourself in the white light and call on the archangels to protect you. The voice was just always there. And the voice was grooming me. And was uplifting, telling me great things about myself and what a great person I am and how I survived all this trauma and suffering in my life. And um, I just followed along. You know, I believed everything the voice said. And then the voice was started telling me that my husband was cheating on me. So um, I was believing everything the voice said. And one day, um, my husband came home from work early and we had been having problems already because he didn't like that I was doing the psychic stuff. So one day he came home from work early around 12 and he had a bouquet of roses in one hand and lunch in the other. And I came out of the room accusing him of cheating on me. And um, of course he denied cheating on me and I didn't believe him. And I I kicked him out of the house. That's what the, the voice told me to do. So when he left, I felt free. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm finally free. Um, out of his oppression, his control, and I can do whatever I want now. And um, I don't have to ask for his, you know, permission about anything anymore. And after he left, my uh, behavior became even more manic. It was like I was developing this compulsive, obsessive disorder, and things had to be in the right place. And if they weren't in its right position, then the energy wasn't good. And that's one thing they talk about a lot in the whole spiritual realm is negative energy and positive energy. So um, I, if I touched something that, you know, was had negative energy, then I had to go cleanse my hands. And it was just, it was insanity. It, you know, it went on all night long. Well, that night, the voice was telling me that um, that was the night I was going to receive my golden halo. 
And that's something else they talk about in the spiritual world is all these jewels and crowns and, you know, that you're going to receive uh, when you cross over because of, of all you survived, you know, while you were on earth. So my um, reward was going to be this golden halo. And the voice told me, you know, at, at three o'clock in the morning, I want you to look in your mirror and you're going to see the golden halo appear. Well, um, leading up to that time, the voice just was so positive and just did this review of my life with me and all the suffering I went through. And um, three o'clock in the morning came and the voice said, okay, so look in the mirror and you're going to count down from 10. And when you get to zero, you're going to see the the halo appear over your head in the mirror. So three o'clock came and I was so excited and I couldn't wait. And I started counting down from 10 and I got to zero and I heard, I could hear, um, it sounded like this, the noise that a sparkler makes, like just that little clicking sparkling noise that a sparkler makes. One thing I, I want to say is that I, all this whole time I was dabbling in the spiritual world, I could never see anything. So I didn't have visions of seeing spirits or anything like that. I could just feel um, what they called was energy. That was the only uh, thing that I could sense around me. When I counted to zero and I heard that noise, and but the, the, the halo did not appear. And I started questioning the voice. I'm like, well, how come I didn't receive my halo? Where's my halo? And this voice that had been so uplifting and loving turned uh, menacing and just hissed at me and said, well, first, when I questioned where the where the halo was and I was looking at my reflection in the mirror, all of a sudden, this dark black looking cloak superimposed over my reflection in the mirror. So I couldn't see myself anymore. I could only see it. It's like a, it look, reminds me of the pictures we see of the green grim reaper with this, the, the cloak and the, and, and the robe that hangs down on the arms. And that's all I saw was that black shadow over my reflection. And now this voice became full of hate and said, the reason why you didn't receive your halo is because you're not good enough. And the minute I heard that and saw that, my eyes were opened to the evil I had been turning to. I knew I had been turning towards the devil in that moment because before that, I always thought it was full of love and God and spirit guides and angels. And I was fooled no more. And I turned away from the mirror and I just started screaming. I would looked up to heaven to God and I was just started screaming saying, no, no, I love God. I love God. And while I was screaming that in my ears, my voice sounded demonic. And I just ran out of my room and I was screaming. It woke my kids up. And this is, you know, at three, at three o'clock in the morning. So I'm telling, now I think I'm possessed by the devil or a demon. You know, I think I'm possessed and I'm telling my kids what happened. And I'm like, I need help. You know, I need a priest you know, that's going to get this devil out of me. And I have the kid, my daughter call my family. Now my family had been seeing, they knew what I was doing. They knew I was involved in the psychic stuff. They had been, they'd been seeing me kind of mentally kind of on this decline for, you know, a few months. So they really weren't totally surprised to get that phone call um, for help. So my entire family, my parents, 
my brothers, my sister-in-laws, um, my children, they all came to the house at four o'clock in the morning to help me. Well, they had already been kind of putting a plan together. You know, if it came to this, what they were going to do. So they called the sheriff's department and a deputy sheriff came to the house and he asked me some questions, you know, monitored my behavior and decided that it would be best for me to go to the hospital and my family. And they all had me Baker acted into the mental unit of the hospital. So the police officer took me in the back of his police car and drove me to the hospital and I was admitted into the hospital in the mental ward. And that was just, you know, God had to do something. He did, he did what he knew he had to do. Um, you know, I'm so, I was someone who thought I was in control of everything and, uh, and everyone and doing everything right. And, um, he just took me away where I had no one, uh, nobody could come get me out. Cause I was in there a mandatory three days. And, um, I've just found myself calling out to God to help me. And that's, this is truly where, you know, not only the moment in the mirror, um, was the discovery, but really just turning and leaning and just desperately calling out to God to help me. And I would just pace the halls just saying, help me, God, please help me, help me. And I would uh, recite the Lord's prayer. And, um, the voice was just so consuming, just every minute. I couldn't focus on the TV. I couldn't focus on reading. I couldn't focus on anything at all, except this voice in my head. And the voice was, um, just kept repeatedly telling me I was going to hell. Now it's turned and, you know, it's t- it went from being uplifting and telling me how wonderful I am to being the accuser. And this was like the master accuser. So now I'm trying to defend my goodness to this voice that's telling me that I'm going to hell and what a horrible, horrible person I am. And, uh, Soon after I was admitted to the hospital, one of the nurses had um, told me, you know, if you start hearing the voice in your head again, just let me know and I can give you something that will that can help you. Um, Well, the voice, you know, was just always constantly there. And I kind of forgot, you know, about what she said for, um, you know, like a day or the second day I was there. I was it was at least two days later. uh, um, I found myself at night again because the voice is always the worst at night. And uh just screaming and yelling at me. And I stood up, my door was closed uh, to my room and I stood up staring at my door. And I remembered what the nurse had said to me and um, she was across the hall. And um, so I was getting ready to go out into the hall and the voice started yelling at me. And it's like, if you go out there, if you open that door, you are going to die. You walk out there and you are dead. Don't you dare open that door. I mean, this it's like someone's talking to you. I can't even explain it. It's not something I'm just creating in my mind. It's it's just there. And I'm fighting with this voice and I'm saying, no, no, she promised me. She promised she could help me. She promised. And he's like, no, she's lying. She's not going to help you. Don't you dare open that door. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going because she, she promised that she could help me. So I opened the door and I stepped out into the hall and I didn't die. And that was the moment my eyes were open to the lies that the devil had been telling me because I had been believing it for so long. This just, it was, you know, God just, he allowed me to see that all this stuff the devil had been telling me was just a bunch of lies. And that seemed to break its 
control over me. So I walked to up to the nurse's station and I very softly said, I, and I said, you know, you um, told me to come get you and if, uh, and that you could help me if I started hearing the voice in my head again. I said, I'm hearing the voice. And she said, well, what is it telling you? And I said, it's telling me I'm going to hell. And she just stared at me for a few seconds and she says, I'll be right back. So she went and got some medication, which I'm assuming it was something to help me sleep. Um, but it was from that moment on that my mind began to clear. While I was in there, my family had a CAT scan done of my brain. They I, they had an MRI done because the CAT scan, they were afraid I had a brain tumor and that the brain tumor was making this happen to me. So they were looking for some kind of medical explanation to what happened. Uh, but the CAT scan came back clear. They weren't happy with that. They wanted an MRI. So they had the MRI done and the MRI was also clear. I did not have any kind of brain tumors. I didn't have any control over any kind of medical decisions. That was all my family was was doing this all for me. So on the third day, my mind began to clear. And that was a complete, utter blessing from God because they had told me that I had had a psychotic break from trauma overload. And they didn't know if I was ever going to come out of it. They said sometimes people do, but sometimes you don't. So they didn't know if my mind would ever clear. So on the third day, my mind began to clear and my rational thinking started to come back. And um, after the third day, I, I would meet with a psychiatrist uh, and a social worker every day. So when I met with a psychiatrist on the third day, he said, you've been in here three days now and you can technically, you can walk out of here on your own. He said, but I can tell that you really want to get better. And um, he says, if, if you would stay in here voluntarily for two more days, he says, we will put a plan together for you to help you when you leave. And he said, what do you think about that? And I didn't hesitate at all. I was like, yes, definitely. I'll stay, you know, because I definitely wanted to get better. I didn't want to have anything to do with that psychic world anymore. Uh, I wanted my life back. And um, so after two more days in there, the last day I was in there, they had a family meeting. All the family came in, came up to the hospital to have a meeting to discuss what it was going to be like going home. And... um so my husband came and picked me up on the fifth day and he agreed to, to stay in the house and help me get better. And um, that is really how I came to Christ. And once I came home, I threw away every single occult, psychic, crystal book, anything I had, I threw it all away. And I wanted to know God and I wanted to do it the right way this time. Um, and I wasn't sure what that looked like because I never really studied the Bible. So a friend who reached out to me when I was doing all the psychic stuff, she, um, she came to mind and I contacted her and she was just so just overjoyed, um, of the change of heart. And she took me in and she started teaching me about Jesus, um, and what he did for me. So I met with her once a week and I also met with a therapist once a week and I did that, um, gosh, for over a year, maybe a year and a half. That's my story. And that is how Christ, how God called me to himself. Wow. 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 Susan, 
how 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 long have you been a, a Christian now? Since uh, 2014, February 1st, 2014. You talked a lot about the trauma in your past. What can you share a little bit about what what that trauma was? I mean, I mean, did you become a believer when you were little, and that, or or was that never really the you know, the experience that you had in your salvation? Um, I grew up in a Christian believing home. Like we went to church on Sundays, but that was really about the end of it. Then you forgot about it, you know, till the next week. Um, But there were, um, you know, my parents, they modeled a loving uh, marriage. Um, But when I got married, there was a lot of dysfunction there that I really wasn't aware of until after we got married. So that was, uh, my husband had his own addictions and it was just very difficult, um, verbal abuse. It was a really, really, really hard, hard marriage for both of us. Well, so is this your current husband now and he's made a change? Wow. So you both have made huge changes in not only just your personal belief in Jesus and your relationship, but wow, in your marriage too. So yes, he, he became a Christian in 2016, two years after me. It seems like you kind of were innocently drawn into this psychic world, you know, your interest in what your grandfather's legacy was and what he had done. And do you think he was involved at that level that you were? I don't think I don't think he was doing like psychic readings from what I understand I think he made he was really big into the tarot cards and he would make certain comments around the family like they think he predicted his own death and supposedly seeing my grandmother's spirit after her death I'm mean, you know it was just little stories they didn't really you know I would try to get more detail out of them but they didn't really go much further than that there's so much deception out there and people innocently get into the psychic areas because they want to control their outlook. They don't want to trust God fully. That's really where it is. It's because it's a, it's a walk of faith. And so a trust in Jesus Christ to really lead you. And, you know, sometimes people, they want to try to control their path, you know, and unfortunately that does happen, but you know, the enemy can get in to all types of your, you know, things that you innocently think you're getting into, you know, and drawing you. It's, I, I'd like your opinion on the um, horoscopes. What do you think about that? That's also of the occult because what happens is, you start getting dependent upon your horoscope instead of being dependent upon God and his word. So you're looking for um, things about your future and, and, you know, that's, you know, what horoscopes like to do is tell you, you know, things about your future. Um, So it's all, all of that, you know, is involved in the occult world. Yeah. I don't think a lot of Christians understand that. Some people really get into it, just like the Ouija boards. I mean, I 
did in a Ouija board when I was like in nine years old with a group of us and friends and we were in the basement and, you know, channeling and, you know, not even knowing, you know, as kids, you're just doing this innocently. And I had to really go before the Lord and just say, Hey, if I dabbled in anything, release it off me, you know, because, you know, we all can get into this place of, where we think we're in control, like you said, you know what I'm saying? So boy, I'll tell you what, by God's grace, God's mercy, family, prayers, his, you're here, gal. He chose that. He chose you. He chose your husband. He knew you were going to come out of this, but you know, I would just love to hear how, you know, now this, the Bible, how, how do you receive the Bible now? You know, and it's true. Sabbath come out of this. I, I just, you know, your face just all lights up. And I was going to ask you about your Bible passion, but why do believers need to be in the word of God? Why do they need to have the passion for, for the Bible? It's amazing because before this happened, I tried to read the Bible a little bit and I was reading the Gospels. I'm like, ah, this is just the same story over and over and over. You know, it just didn't do anything for me. Well, when um, my friend suggests, I don't even know what what kind of Bible to buy, you know, when when in 2014. So she suggested a Bible for me to get that's a study Bible. And I'd never owned a study Bible. I highly recommend study Bibles. I didn't even know where to start reading. I'm looking at it. It looked like a book of foreign language. I'm like, I was afraid to open it up and start reading it. And when I finally did, and part of my fear was that um, I didn't think God would forgive me. And I think that's one of the tricks of the devil is to keep us from turning to God and thinking that God forgives the way people forgive, you know, that only if we deserve it. Um, So I was afraid to read the Bible. But once I started reading the Bible, I cannot explain the change. And it's not in the words because the words are the same they were today as they are yesterday and 2000 years ago. It was a change that God did in my heart. And the words had life. And I was excited by them. And I'm crying and I'm happy. And I'm just, I, it's, they were the word is alive and I could feel, you know, such emotion and connection to the word. And I was so excited and I would read the Bible for hours every day. I could not get enough of it. And when I would talk about this to my friend, when I would meet with her, what I was describing, I'm like, I just, I can't put it down. I can't get enough of it. I want to read more. I want to learn more. And she's just like, she said, um, what you're describing to me is, um, someone who's falling in love with Jesus. And I don't mean like a passionate, you know, uh, husband, wife love, you know, but just this eternal love, um, for Jesus. So I, I cannot stress enough knowing God's word being in the Bible. And that's the only way that's your protection as far as knowing what does God say about this? Because if I would have been reading the Bible and really understood it, I would have known what he said, do not turn to mediums, do not turn to psychics, do not turn to the occult world, that it's only God or the devil. There's no imaginary middle ground spiritual world out there. It's either you're either turning to God or you're turning to the devil. And so education, you know, education is part of it, knowing what God says, having faith in Christ, and that 
is where we turn our hearts. That is who we have faith in, not these psychics or in ourself. Um, so that's why, yes, the Bible is very, very important to me. I'm sure that you are asked to come in and speak, right? And talk about this subject because there's probably more Christians that have fallen into this trap than and get themselves down. I mean, did you get a chance to go back to any of those psychic um, mentors or those folks that drew you into this to minister to them at all? Or have you been able to witness to them at all? Or how has God worked through you in this area? When I first came home, I did write letters to some of the people I had been in contact with because I had to like completely break from them, from social media, everything. Um, so I did write them letters, but you know, I don't know, you know, what God will do with that. Um, I do try to reach out to people, especially people that I know on social media, if I see that they're visiting a psychic or something, but most of the time, and even like when I've been at shows with my book, um, I will have people come up to me who are, you know, deeply in that world. It's like talking to my old self. You know, I thought I knew what I was doing back then and nobody could tell me any different. And this is how most people usually respond when I try to um, tell them about what I went through. So uh, my job is just to plant the seed. And then I just pray that God will at some point do something with that, just like he did with me. And, you know, and reminding me that of that friend that I had, that Christian friend in my life who spoke into my heart. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I tried to do. Yeah. With others. So Susan, I'm going to just draw you back a little bit to when you were in this battle and you were calling out to God, just calling it out to God, break this God, help me, God, help me, God, help me, God. How, how did that, how did that go? How did that battle go? I mean, did you feel this release and, you know, did you, you know, feel the holy, this, this break off you or do you, do you mind sharing that? Um, the only, let's see, it was just, I didn't even know what to say to God. I just know, you know, I knew that I, I needed him to help me. Like there was nobody else around that could help me. There was no one that could help me out of this. This was a spiritual war. Um, so I didn't have like this, you know, sudden feeling. It was just like I said, that gradual where by the third day, the mind, my mind began to clear and the voice was getting less and less and less in my head. And um, that's, that's what it was like for me. But in that moment, when I was screaming for God, when I turned away from the mirror, that moment, I know I was given a very small glimpse because I know it's going to be much worse in reality when this happens. But I was given a small glimpse of what it's going to be like on Judgment Day for people who think they're doing something good, uh, they're blinded, they're not, or just blatantly have no desire to know Christ. But on Judgment Day, because I thought that I was going to hell. I thought it was too late. I belonged to the devil and I was going to hell. So I was just given this little glimpse by God of what it's going to be like on that day. Cause I thought I was doing good things and realized that I wasn't. 
And fortunately, thankfully, it was not too late. Yes, and praise God. So, you know, I really am hoping that God uses this story in powerful ways to draw people away from the cult or anybody that's trying to immerse themselves because they feel like they're reaching out and they don't have any other hope or they're told, yeah, I mean, you've got the gift of healing or you've got the gift of discernment or, you know, and then they, they don't know. And innocently they're jumping in and they're doing these things thinking that they're doing good in the world. It's, you know, so I'm just really grateful. This is a story that, you know, never been this type of story been discussed on my show. So, and I'm glad you're getting it out there and other people are listening and the book, tell us a little bit about your book. Um, so, you know, it'll be out there on your episode page when we get ready to, you know, release this, but tell us just a little bit about, about the book and, and also how people could get in touch with you if they're really struggling or they just need you to pray over them or they don't have anyone else to reach out to. Um, my book's a little unique. Um, it's split into two parts. So I have part one and part two. Part one is strictly my story of how I ended up, what my childhood was like, how I ended up getting involved in the psychic world, parts of my marital relationship, what it was like in the mental unit. I let people inside my head. I'm sharing my thoughts. I'm telling you what the devil's saying to me in my head. Um, so I share all of that story in part one. And then part two is what it looks like when I come home after the hospital and what it was like now me being a Christian, being married to a non-believer. So that's in there. So the part two is more biblical in nature with also parts of my story intertwined with it. And then at the end of the book, um, I have discussion questions for every chapter. So it'd be great for personal reflection, book club, Bible study. Um, and to reach me, I have my website. It's www.susanmckeldry.com. Uh, you can find out more about me and, and my ministry there. And the book is on there as well. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing that. And I am just really overjoyed that God helped you get out of that. And he's moved you to where you are and the testimony and the glory that you're giving him through your story. Do you have any closing words for um, my listeners, Susan, before we wrap up? Yes. Um, never participate in something blindly. Do your research. And that could be walking into a new church. It could be uh, your friend has a someone who reads, does tarot cards. Someone wants you to burn sage with them. Someone wants you to go do yoga. Don't do anything uh, going in blindly. Do your research. Find out about it, whether this is something godly or not before you walk into anything. Okay, great closing words. Is there a favorite scripture? Um, Romans 8.28 was... Um, uh, very, very important to me that um, brought me to um, choose God over all in my life. Um, we are called according to uh, the purpose, I'm paraphrasing, the purpose of, um, yeah, uh, for the purpose of his plan for all that are, are chosen for the good of his plan. 
all things work together for all things work together for the good. Yes. Well, hey, you got it out there. I understand. There's a lot of different translations, but it's all about walking in our purpose, walking in our calling, fully trusting that he paid the price. He is our Lord and our Savior. It's a personal thing. He came in. He changed your heart. He transformed. He showed you who he was and how real. And, you know, thank God for that. And so, friends, we will have this episode up and available on our website um, as well. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Hi, friends. What if we all gave on one day? We can. On November 29th, 2022, our community will come together for 24 hours of unprecedented giving to support the God-glorifying, evangelistic storytelling work of Altered Stories Ministry through Giving Tuesday. Altered Stories Ministry is dedicated to bringing the hope and healing of Jesus Christ to hurting and broken women around the world through this transformational God stories we share on our podcast platform. Hashtag be heard, hashtag be healed. You can help us raise awareness and funds to further our mission by making a donation online on November 29th, 2022 on our website at www.alteredstories.org and follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for your gift. God bless. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org. 